but she was given like a prime position that many other people probably should have been in. She was extraordinarily racist. That's um, messed up. It was really messed up. Uh, yeah, would that would that be the same person who saw my large scale portraits and said, "They're beautiful, but I want to see their blemishes. I want to see their realness." And then be on the perfect camera on cam. I'm like, I'm sorry to disappoint, but that's their skin, <laughs> and that's what the skin looks like for the men in is my it, family. Is it the picture of the? I just look. I'm looking at your site. Is it the one that's? Um, where they're all looking sort of in the same direction? Uh, there's another set, uh, I think they call it family something. It's all the large-scale faces of the men in my family. Oh. And there's just... really like dynamic lighting. Yeah, it's like okay. really great lighting. And she was torn by how beautiful <laughs> they look. <laughs> Which is what I do. And oh, she was having a flower range in my room. Just like couldn't have, comprehend. Uh, she couldn't comprehend. And then she said, But this beauty doesn't fit with my model of racism. Exactly. Like, She's like, so are these all the men in your family? And I was like, yes, these are all the men in my family. And this is what our skin looks like. So I'm sorry that it's not a Clearasil commercial for you, but because <laughs> she wanted to see pimples and Markings. I was just like, was pockmarks. I was like, this is their skin. I said, I had really high key lighting with the back black. Should have just said sorry. Not all of us age like milk and just walked away. (laughs) I thought that was the most hilarious. But she wanted them to have bad skin. That was her issue. Her issue was that the the brown when you put it all together in concert. Yeah, I'm looking at the black the realness of her what she was really saying was they lack the realness of her imagination uh-huh. because she's not seen brown. like one of the things i do i always think is so interesting and i i have to admit i am the same way in the counter so if i some see, see people with like um brown like light brown hair blonde hair red hair i can't really i don't necessarily um have the greatest nuance look at blonde hair but I promise you that like somebody's skin tone and like what I know a lot of different brown black skin tones. And I can say that this person is a red, this person has a pink tone or a blue tone. You know, like, you know, like, cause I have seen a lot of brown skin in my life. So I think her other problem is, and what happens to me so often about curatorial work and um, um, academic work is that they are bound by their personal experience. And rather than admit, what I actually have never really seen is a lot of black people close up. <laughs> right? That's what she's saying, right? Like, all the black people on TV look like this. It's like at the Met when, I don't remember who who it was, but there was that black woman and Ember and was like, they've oiled her up. She's too shiny. It's like, no, that's just what melanin does under light. <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh, it was, it was a couple no, that's of months a girl, ago. Actually, that's a woman whose mother said, don't go out looking ashy. Yeah. And I, I should have made the video. I should have made a video at the time and just be like, hello, this is my studio portraiture. This is just what black people look like. They're very beautiful and they're very or shiny because like they're moisturized. But there's, there's also like this idea that black people or Indian people or Chinese people or whatever people that you don't know all look the same too. Oh my God. My children, 
my children um, talk so much about how they only, like, when we were in London, it was the first time people were like, you're Asians. Because they're mixed, but everyone's used to mixed Asians there, so everyone just assumed they were Asian. But it's just like, it's such the audacity to say something like that when, like, I can't tell some people in Hollywood apart. Like, there are some, like, the Margot like, Robbies. I did yeah, that video about how yes, they all kind of look like, like the Margot, Margot Robbies. Of there's like yeah. five of them. They all Jamie look the Presley, same. Margot Robbie. I don't know. Yeah, who the and rest like of the people are. who look like um, Zach Braff. There's like five Zach Braffs out there. It's really like, oh, but they... we don't even need one. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we don't, don't even need one. Zach Braff is exactly. like more than enough Zach Braff. Exactly. Um, but like, there's. It's nice that nobody famous will ever listen. It's not like Margot Robbie or Zach Braff is ever going to listen. Watch out! She's Australian. <laughs> the world is small. I love never, Margot you Robbie. You never know. No, she's great. There was, I do love. I will say this: when I did the video about all the five Margot Robbies, somebody said, uh, "I." Sophie knows this, but a number of people said, "Oh, but you look like Margot Robbie." Oh, that's right. And I was like, that but that's so like the power weird. of suggestion. Like, yeah. I was like, I <laughs> yeah. do not look like Margot Robbie. Uh, but it's this like power of suggestion too that we have about visuals, right? Like that. The Hollywood export. You know, yeah. yeah. Like I think even curly hair is like a kinky or curly hair. Like how many people, I mean, I do think there's certainly certain hair types that are truly um, African and African-American. But there are a variety of other ones that do blend over. And like Indians have some Indians, like my mother has very, very um, curly hair and so does my daughter. And if you back brush it, it, it makes quite a pillow. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Mine my, does, I only know this crazy. about my daughter because when my daughter was three, her older sister who was five back brushed her whole head. They were a little proud. Oh my God. <laughs> it was a... They were very she's proud of it. She's got quite curly hair, though. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's got very um, curly God, I do too in the right circumstances, but most of the time it's just... If I, back, I, think if I also get a halo, it's just frizz. But I think, I mean, you know, the thing that's so hard about this in terms of what you're doing is um, these are the gatekeepers, right? Like these people that we're talking about, you you really can't get past them unless you find a way to negotiate. Oh, we them. have a really close friend who's a critic and he told me he said <laughs> i get the keen impression you know what the game is and you refuse to play it and he's like and mm. how did I you take said, that you're absolutely right but i'm just never i was I love just it, like but but no i'm bullshit. not giving you trauma or peanut sorry <laughs> i'm just <laughs> not gonna give it to you yeah. And he's like, if you put that in your work, he said, there will be a space for it. And I said, but that wouldn't be me. He said, but if you put it in your work, there will be a space. It's just him quietly saying he wants to see you, Dick. You know that, right? As well. I. If you like, Sophie, I know. I got to give it to you, man. So, independent of your anatomy, um, oh, I here's a lure. You should see. We went to Clamp the other day, yeah. the like, you know, the queer space, and we walked in, and it was just like, Jean was being eaten alive by all those men. It was wild, mm, popular, huh? Just like every single one of them was like, I had, I laughed. <laughs> it was, I was amazing. Like, I could walked out with my work sponsored, but my soul, my soul gone yeah. in the process. But 
Well, that you're talking about something I think that's so important. We talked about it in another episode about how being an artist sometimes does require you deciding how much of you you're going to give up or yeah. change or sell. Yep. And Sophie and I have talked about this a lot, Sima. I'm often asked a lot of times why I don't photograph the very effeminate queer young men. Right. They do. And I'll often explain, I say, there are people who do that a thousand times better than me. Right. Uh, what I'm more specifically interested in is this normalized black male masculinity that just won't mm-hmm. be given a space. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's turned into toxicity or it's turned mm-hmm. into criminality. But it just, mm-hmm. the, uh, a norm, well, I guess what I would consider just a guy chilling, just chilling. And no movement, not jumping through the frame. And it's like, we want more, dyna- uh, want more dynamic that, images. I think that I keep looking at this series. I don't know the name of it. Hold on. But can you you can tell me the name. Can you see it, these faces? Oh, Nebula? This is yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that it's incredibly, it's it- almost too transgressive, this, this series, because it is... Um, I don't know what their age range is, but it looks like 30s, 40s, 20s, you know, of a range of, um, they look like they're all men. Maybe there's a woman here. Um, but they're all just being. Yeah. And there's something so incredibly transgressive in this society of a black guy just minding his own business and being. Didn't you take those photos at a party? Yeah, I was at a party. Yeah. I have. I was happy that the three, there are four women there, three. Oh, there are, okay. Who decided, okay. they saw me photographing the men and they was like, what about the sisterhoods? One, two. And I was just like, we're not discriminating intentionally here to focus on the project. So I allowed them to get in. And there was something about my obsession with, what's it called, Rep- uh, repose? Just being. Because uh, I'm in a uh-huh. world that even my just being standing in a space I can still have the cops called on me because somebody yeah. has decided my being is disturbing some narrative in their imagination. And so even when I was trying to sign up for, you know, uh, one of those residencies, sometimes uh-huh. the critique was, you know, we want to see the bodies being more active. And my pushback was always, no, I actively want to see the body not being active. Yeah. Well, it's also this idea that people, black, Black people have to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, perform- and performativeness of like defensiveness as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, they get upset mm-hmm. when they know you know what they just said. Mm-hmm. They'll mm-hmm. say, is there a reason your work isn't the bodies aren't active in the frame? I was like, yeah. The news keeps me active from 6 a.m. till 6 a.m. I don't want to be active. I just want to be. And then the woman asks, well, they're beautiful. I was like, yeah. Isn't that something to just be beautiful and doing nothing? Like, just to be in the space. Wouldn't it be nice to occupy the space that white women have been able to occupy in art for literally ever? I was hoping that gets me in trouble when people ask me why I started art later in life. Mm. My number one response is, you know, I just wanted my white womanness, the ability to just study art and pontificate about the world. <laughs> You're talking about uncomfortable silence. No wonder you came out of school being besties with me. I will say that um, that is the toughest group. That's like certainly the powerhouse of the art world is white women. 
Mm. But it's also the group that is the most surprised when you uh, t- talk to them about themselves. Yeah. They feel mm. the most defensive and attacked. <laughs> and I had the woman. Not very good at self reflecting. Well, I had the woman actually, what do you mean by that? I, I recently went to, what was it, Photographskia? Yeah. Photographskia. Photographskia. And they had a um, Leica workshop. Mm. So, you know, the Leica cameras cost. Sh- Oh, dude, Money. my dad's like a like a boy. It's so annoying. And so in the room with me were a doctor who owned like five Leicas, white older guy. He said, I just collect them because I love the Leicas. And they, everybody. They don't even know why. They don't even know why they like them. So. And then the other six were just white women who husbands bought them the camera for their hobby and they tuck it up. And, I, and now I'm just photographing and I'm just like that. That's what I want. That right there, whatever that is. <laughs> that just because you can. And the Wonder Woman told me she said she never thought of that. I said, Yeah, your husband bought you a camera to occupy your time. And he didn't buy you just any camera. He bought you one of the most expensive ones. Yeah. And now you're taking pictures of your flowers and your garden. Like that must be it. nice. That was the whole workshop. And I asked the guy who was up at the workshop, I said, do you get this a lot? And he said, you'd be surprised at how often my workshops are just stacked in this way. Oh, my God. I went to a Leica workshop with my dad once in Melbourne. I was the youngest person in the room, didn't own a Leica, and was just using one of my dad's. And the guy who was running it made a reference to, like buying a new car basically like buying a new bmw i don't remember the context this was years ago but the whole room was like oh, oh yeah 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 and i was like where where am i <laughs> yeah. a room of people who were just like oh buying luxury cars and cameras uh, isn't no. this such a fun lifestyle and i was yeah. like what the fuck because you know i've been i was living with my mum who like lives below the poverty line i was just so confused by how comfortable they all were, like, in each other's wealth. It was wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's ugh. true. Because I was like, how many Likers did I own? I was just like, zero. Practice with the one here. The one provided Negative for me. one. <laughs> the one provided for me. But if anybody <laughs> has any old ones they want to offload as community service, you're like, I'm your guy. I'll take you. It's like... <laughs> If anyone wants to offer me one as affirmative action. <laughs> I'll take it. But it's a fun workshop watching people just photograph because they're interested in the medium. But this is also to go back to your students in Queens or like, you know, my daughter wanted braids. The thing that is hard is that we've cosseted ourselves. And I would guess that those people have no idea. Right, they put themselves in this little box. They've lived in a very segregated way, and and I think actually, one thing I think about, like I, my parents, and I grew up very liberal. They were very liberal, but they're liberal, like a lot of South Asians, liberal, very pro education. You know, give a lot back. You know, all this sort of stuff. But at the same time, honestly, do not notice their privilege. Right. Like they don't they don't notice how like I don't think my dad 
notices how he can pass into white spaces in a way that his black colleagues can't. You know, that, that kind of thing. Something that's like a theme of this, that we, in our, in our desire to be comfortable, lose something. There. Would yeah. you say that desire to be comfortable is what we've spoken about with Elio, the proximity to whiteness? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think that he is sort of talking about and I think this is true that anybody who chooses to make themselves into the art is as a part of the art world in any way, shape or form has to negotiate being in the art world and the norms mm. of the art world, which are through, which are, you know, white supremacy. Yeah. 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 So. I can't remember where I was reading where the person, something recent I was reading or listening to where the person basically says, when you enter the art space, you make an agreement to operate under the auspice of white supremacy. And so how dare you enter a top art school or any art school whose foundational structure is based off mm -hmm. white supremacy and then mm -hmm. dare decide to write in opposition to it. Like, mm. Of course, it would be a difficult process. For well, I think there was a reason you ended up with two white ladies and a white man on your fucking thesis panel. Yeah, because... <laughs> like, come the fuck on. Oh, I had three PhDs who wanted to be on my panel and it just caused a ruckus because it meant they would have had to have actually done the research for the thing I was doing. <laughs> and so I recognized, and it was kind of subtly communicated to me, like basically you're done. <laughs> Make it easy and let's you're complicate done, it You're done, parentheses, mildly threatening. Yes, <laughs> yeah. like basically you're done. And so the yeah. moment I dial back, disinvited my three additional panelists, cut the thesis paper in half, it was just like, woohoo, bravo, you did it. And I'm just like, okay, this is how y'all want this next to be. I'm going to land this plane and yeah. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, usually, so it worked rolling towards the end of the hour but um usually we end these with media recommendations sure. and i have to tell you i've been sort of racking my brain for the last four or five minutes on like a book that i feel like would encapsulate this idea of um but actually i think what i'd like to do for my media recommendation is to invite people to go back to 90s television and like you know watch some of that stuff like I think for me it was 80s but probably the probably what I still think is probably one of the most important shows that I ever experienced was uh in living not a, a different world sorry okay. a different world with um which was it is a um Bill Cosby produced show but it was of his daughter going to college at Spellman um and or his Spellman being the boys version uh, sorry, Smeldman and Morehouse. It's like the combo, right? Because there was uh -huh. boys and girls. So it's not really, I don't know what the school was called, but it's Spellman and Morehouse. Hill whatever. Hillman. What Hillman. Oh, good memory. Good Hillman. memory. Good memory. There you go. Um, but it was an incredibly important show. And I do think it's probably, it was very transgressive in its moment. Um, but I think it also, like, there was one, there was like the token white girl. Wasn't there a white girl? Wasn't there one? Yeah, I think there was a white girl. I don't remember. Right? Oh, was she really light skinned? But there was a lot about race and like yeah. light skinned people. 
Um, but I would actually, I think that some of these things that we're talking about, there was a little bit more discomfort in that television. Gene, uh, do you have a recommendation? Recommendation for? Media, any media that would tie into this conversation uh, for our books, audience. Documentaries, movies, anything you like. Usually I do a, ro- a romance novel. <laughs> oh, I'm actually <laughs> watching or just finished watching the documentary on Rock Hudson. Oh, oh yeah, how right. is we were talking it? about this. And it was Marissa Tomei, the white girl. Yeah. 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 Look at that. <laughs> uh the Rock Hudson documentary, because I study beauty and particularly the the male physicality. Uh-huh. Rock Hudson, I recommend it because it really highlights how it really, how, and I think I had mentioned to Sophie just briefly, how Hollywood constructed uh-huh. a particular male, masculine, beautiful body. Like how that uh-huh. was constructed uh-huh. and how he was like, one of those foundational pillars for the imagination of queer Hollywood. Uh-huh. In concert with heterosexual Hollywood, uh-huh. all conspiring to say, we recognize what a particular body type does on the screen. Uh-huh. How do we uh-huh. replicate it? And then if you look at Rock Hudson- And then monetize. Monetize, then you can see how Rock Hudson, uh, Cary Grant, all of those guys in this vein- Yeah. Uh-huh. Comes in line with Calvin Klein, who wasn't necessarily the first, because you have mm-hmm. international and international male has one too. The international male catalog, mm-hmm. which was the mm-hmm. epitome of blending masculinity and queerness through clothes, because the founder was gay. But how he really wasn't the first. But oh, wasn't the founder at the Battle of Versailles? Uh, not that guy. But I know who you're talking about. Okay, who is that guy? Um. Uh, I'm uh, looking for it later. Go, yeah. go, go. Keep talking. But, uh, <laughs> if you look at, you got you got International Mail, Rock Hudson. This all comes together and Calvin Klein basically just had perfect timing. Uh-huh. Because in Europe, they were already engaged in the body. Uh, they weren't concerned with these puritanical views America had. But then you take those three, the AIDS epidemic, Calvin Klein's timing, and you create an entire industry built around the black, I mean, not necessarily the black male, but the physical, the the queer gaze of beauty that mm. then supplants mm-hmm. every other space about how we look at male bodies. And so you can see the thread. I'm Interesting. Like, oh, so those Stephen two... Burroughs is who I was thinking of, and he's still with us. He is 79 years old, Stephen. There's a lot of, yeah, I have always felt so bad for Rock Hudson. Yeah, because he was revered and then put out. Absolutely. My godmother loved Rock Hudson. And I remember her saying, oh, yeah, Rock Hudson. I remember asking a question. It was the same kind of thing. She, My godmother passed away this week. She was 99. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Gnosis. Thank you. She was very sick. I'm not actually. I'm very happy that she's no longer. It's a release. Yeah, it's yeah. a release. But, but she said about Rock Hudson sort of that same kind of thing. Oh, he would it. He he liked being a bachelor. He should have always been a bachelor. She said something, you know, like that. Like she wouldn't have said he's gay. But uh-huh. uh, she always said it was very, very hard. I remember her 
saying when I was even little, like we'd watch the movies and being like, it's such a sad story. It's so sad how he had to live. Yeah, how how Hollywood Hollywood knew about all of their gay stars. They yeah. had a few, but constructed oh, yeah. this external veneer that they all had to perform under. And they were roommates. Yes, yeah. they were roommates. Do you know the book, uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo? Sounds good. Let me write that down. It is. Mm. It's um, about uh, she is she is gay uh, in Hollywood at the time. It's a novel, mm-hmm. and um, she they have they do one of those like she's like a beard, you know, like they have that kind of thing, and it's a really, really heart. It's kind of heartbreaking. It's the same with Nobody's Marilyn, happy. Though, right? Like she was maybe asexual, potentially yeah. gay, and she was just like abused her entire life even after she dies like it's it's just beauty is like a beauty is such a drug in our society i used to always you know like you ask those like thought questions i used to always think you know there's that question would you rather be beautiful and dumb or brilliant and ugly and I went to a school that was like very intellectual and like everyone and I went to a college that was fairly intellectual and everyone would get mad, but I used to always say, and I still believe it, I'd rather be beautiful and dumb. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Any day of the week. Because the life the, would be so much easier. Because I don't Gene, I mean, what's I, it like? Being <laughs> what's it like living in both worlds? Um But like, you know, I mean I I think because, you know, like I would say that I'm not either, right? I'm in the middle somewhere. And that is perfectly okay. But if you are truly ugly and brilliant, I think that nobody would ever hear you. The frustration would be exhausting. It's like the Doesn't Susan it? Boyle thing, right? Like no one listened. Everyone thought she was yeah. going to be a joke. And then they were like, oh, fuck. She's really talented. And then like it still... Like she was only taken seriously even in her insane because it was kind of like a gimmick. Yeah. In and of itself. Right. Like Right. Right. This is right. one of the things that also makes me sad, right? It's like how much how much brilliance are we missing out on from, you know, just people in other kinds of marginalized bodies like all kinds of marginalized bodies. I know. So every time someone says we're in this new inclusive world, I'll immediately head to the nearest mall and walk through the cosmetics aisle. I'll and show that, them news about the Ozempic fad. That, if you go yeah. through the cosmetic space of any department store, I just say that tells me still where we are. We because... absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're not, what we're inclusive of, what we've done is included a few more people. We've included what liberalism saying. is what we've done. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, I, I keep thinking about how uh, there's this fad, that fad that's just come and gone. I think it's gone, hopefully, that aging filter. Oh, my God, not still wow. going around. Oh, and, I, and I, I, was, I think it's like an ad for plastic surgery. Like, I think, like... Really? No, I, that's what I think, inherently. Well, that's what I think, personally. Oh, right, Nobody's right, told me right, this, right, but this right. is what I feel like. Because like, everybody like, is like, I need to go get... Pot- I'm so gullible. So, uh, you're actually right, Seema, because... I've seen reports where they say people are snapping images of themselves with the filter. Yeah. And taking the filter to their plastic surgeon. Yeah, no, I, I saw That's that crazy. too, but I had immediately thought this is like basically the Botox industry telling you. And yeah. one thing that I think is so interesting is that, and like, 
Um, I think it's so fascinating that it picks up the things you're uncomfortable with, right? Yeah. Oh, everyone has gels. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. And Man. but what it remind and what I think is so like we've become more inclusive, and yet like almost universally, everyone's like, I hate looking old. I know. We're inclusive. We think beauty is important, but youth and thinness. Yes. I, feel, I feel very lucky that I have like some older queer people who turn up on my feet a lot who are like, guys, remember that aging is a privilege. Like, yeah, I've had it's that. okay. Yeah. Um, no. It's so, but like the same thing with the gender swap trend, which is the one that was going around before this, which I also well, if fucking hate. If you're not hate. into your opposite, you're not going to. Shouldn't yeah, if you yeah, if you works. like wouldn't date your opposite, yeah, like yeah. then you know you got to like change your standards, and it's just like my issue with that trend is I think it kind of just like is a weird thing for people to be doing in the middle of some of the worst like trans human rights violations that we've ever seen, um, and just like how the attitude is changing, and it just be kind of it's like a a play space where cis people can play with their gender, and it has like no doesn't mean anything, right? Like they yeah. get to. They get to have fun and they get to do their filter. And meanwhile, people are being fucking murdered. And like cis people are being murdered because they look too trans in places now. Um, it's wild. There yeah. was a black woman that was killed recently because she looked too masculine. That's crazy. The one who was going to the bathroom? Yeah. Wow. It's really fucked. Because black women were always going to be like the ones who are targeted next because they've always been slammed for being too masculine Mm -hmm. Um, so so weird as someone who's obsessed with images and studies them and looks at them everywhere I'm amazed at how thick they are even in a digital world where I'm just like wow the image is just fixed in this system. No pun intended. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this system that pretends. Sorry. No, like it, pre- <laughs> it pretends to be advancing forward, but it really isn't. That's the, uh. that's the illusion, I think. That fakeness or that. And it's probably well, like, it pacifies. It pacifies like online armchair activists who make a lot of noise, right? When you look like you're being progressive then a lot of that noise dies down. And then, you know, a lot of the r- people who, white people, who kind of uh, don't understand what activism or, like, working in any kind of community-based structure actually looks like, like, it it stops there for most people. It stops at a repost. Yeah. <laughs> it's performance. It, it's, like, Performative, right? Yeah. yeah. Of course. I would say um, that. So, but, uh, but I, I kind of feel like some of these kids these days don't know anything other than that, though, right? That's yeah. kind of scary. Yeah. I don't know well, what I activism looks like. I think actually it's they don't know, but it's also the fear that we started with because they're not used to being uncomfortable. Mm. Ah. Right? That- like, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. So, do you have a recommendation, Sophie? Oh, yeah. I think you should all go look at Jean's art. Oh, that's a great one. Where can we find Jean's art? Uh, Jean, Jean would you like to tell us? JeanTolan.com. Jean with a G-E-N-E. Although people love to make me Haitian, and I love my Haitian brothers. 
<laughs> I like, no, it's not Jean. It's G-E-N-E. Tola.com. I mean, so many I people go. I also made you Haitian. When well, I got the when I got the email when I when we were talking, I was like, oh, oh, Jean with a G. I think Jean with a G is very uncommon, no? Yeah, it, it's very uncommon because it's my middle name. So it'll let you know I'm really from the south. When it I think, is a common middle name, though, that's true. Really, Jean Tolan. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that it makes you from the south, right? Because you're yeah. using your middle name. Yep. So <laughs> I dropped the first name as soon as I got here because I didn't care how New Yorkers said it originally. Really? Willie. Yeah. But I was like, just call me Jane. Uh, <laughs> like all the guys from Quays were like, hey, Willie. Yeah. Call me Jane. And my dad did the same thing, ironically. So I told my mom, why would you replicate that? And she's like, where's your father? I was like, we're not Kennedys. There was some trust fund. You really could have just gave me my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I understood. Jane suits you, though. I like, I like Jean. the name Jane. Well, I like it. I like that. To my, Haitian, like to my Haitian brothers that do that, that's mean right. I don't love Jean, you. Jean, yeah. Jean. That's what I did. I was like Jean Toland. Oh yeah, your whole name works that way. It does. Jean that's Toulant. your that's your secret. That's your like. Oh, you can card switch now. Yeah, you Jean Toland. They don't show art name Jean Toland. Wait. Oh, see, so I am reading Society of the Spectacle because you got me. Oh yeah, is that good? Yeah. Uh, the translations is really good because it. Because I'm obsessed with the veneer, yeah, really talks about artifice. how artifice has, how artifice now operates as the real. Yeah. How it's been commodified it by big tech. So you'll never see anything. Oh, you'll never I'm see get anything. It from the library. Yeah, you'll never get anything real from big tech because there is, there is no money to be made in the real. No, that's right. There sure well, isn't. There sure isn't. That's a good place to end this conversation. Be yes. sure to po follow us at Artlust Podcast. R-A-R-T-L-U-S-T underscore podcast. Um, you can also on email the us. Apps. On the clock. On TikTok. Yeah. Um, and then you can also email us at artlustpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd like topic suggestions, feedback, sponsorship yes, offers. Requests. And speaking for... of sponsorship offers, we got a Patreon. We did. We got another one. And if you would love extra special content like me convincing Jean to run an artist workshop on how to be a business, mm. let us know. Let us know via email. It's been my quest. I actually, because my original idea was to have a podcast with Jean, and he was too hard to wrangle, and then I met you. <laughs> Oh, so, I'm substituting No, you were a, you were someone that I found who I thought it could because you have so much more media training. I was like, even better. She, she felt you could land me, Tim. She felt if anybody could get him on you, it'll be you. Yeah. No, it was true. It was true. Well, thank you for being here, Jean, and yeah, thank we you love for you, Jean. listening. Thanks, friends. Thank you. Oh, oh my gosh, that I'm, was great. That was Jean's awesome. That was great. That was I'm, great. I'm looking for your you work guys. is beautiful. Thank you, thank so wait, you. For those that our TikTok uh, is not great, Jean, but you okay. can follow it. I'll, I'm I'll, gonna I'll, get it up. And we're running, getting, but... we're getting, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Send me the link. Send me the thing. I'll follow. Just you know, number uh, numbers count. Um, it's true. Tell me for those those faces that I was showing you. What did you say? Um, the name of the, sh the artwork is. That's oh, called the faces. Were... That was Nebula. 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 How was it shown? I printed them out. Uh, they were. 40 by 40. Wow. That must mm, have been beautiful. amazing to see. What and did you so print them on? I printed them on gloss, but I think 
Oh, nice. They were gloss. I think I want to do them on the that tinted, that clear paper I used the last time. That clearly sort of okay. My idea, I need to get about 50 of them. So I'll start it back up in the fall. Have you ever printed them on like metal? Oh, no, that's interesting. You've looking at metal before, though. I did. I started down there. Do you know that there's a photographer who I love here in town? Uh, Amber Ford, she, she's she's young enough that her teacher in high school started in the field with me. Oh, wow. Amazing. We, it's like amazing. But Amber Ford, I'm almost positive she has some works that she printed on metal. Oh. She prints on all kinds of media. But I do think like if they were on like a warm copper metal. Oh, my God, ooh, yeah. A warm copper metal. It'd be so metal. beautiful. They'd be so beautiful. Get that red undertone. Yeah. yeah. They're just to... so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, that was the whole. She was amazing for them to just be. So you got it. I mean, they were just to be that because most of the debate when I was trying to do these residencies was, well, we we get it, but we're looking. I said, you're looking for the trauma. I'm sorry, there's no gun in the shadows. There's no bullet. Well, so you know, I, that's also why. I mean, I will say that, like, I think that that's why they're so important. Yeah. Another artist that you uh, you don't look anything. Your work doesn't look anything like it, but I had um, curated a show that had two artists who had the very... My goal was to do um, people who were marginalized, but not about their marginality. So the show oh, was... I love that. I'm still in that same Thank you. And so it was um, about... And it was about basically beauty. It was a show completely about beauty because it was uh. right after COVID and it was called More is More and it was all ornamentation. And so Amazing. two artists who were in that who I love one of them is uh, Terrence, but it only has one R, Hammond, and he's from Cincinnati. And he started doing all these images um, because he was, it was during George Floyd. And he said, you know what? I never want to, I see so many tortured black bodies and I don't want to have them. So we had um, an installation of images of hip hop. He, he and I are literally the same age. Um, and he grew up in Cincinnati and I grew up in Cleveland. So very similar kind of background. And um, so his is, um, it's a Time Life, uh, no, it's not Time Life. What's the one that Reader's Digest, um, Hip Hop Sensations, he took mm -hmm. those images and he's a print maker and he used them to make wallpaper a la, um, uh, uh, I don't give a damn Scarlet, what's that? Uh, Gone with the Wind. Oh. And then another artist who talks a lot about having uh, images of blackness that are like the power of images of blackness that are not about trauma is um, uh, Ronald Jackson. I love the work though. Your work is great. Jean's amazing. It would be <laughs> even better if you got one of those Leicas. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, like 48, 48, 48 pixels. <laughs> 48. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that, was, that was really funny. <laughs> I was hoping I could oh score one on, on guilt, but it did work. Amber Ford's work is beautiful, Seema. Isn't Amber Ford's work beautiful? Yeah, I was just telling Sophie. I think someone should tell her she's a soul seeker. She's trying. She to... is amazing as a human being. Yeah, I um, if I ever like, if let's say like somehow we get real famous on this TikTok situation, I was going to have her do my headshot because that's what she does a lot for a living. I curated a different show where she did these silk screens that are real lovely. And um, so she, one thing I really love about her when I talk, when, when I was working with her for the show is that, so she grew up in the neighborhood past mine, so we're both on the east side suburbs of Cleveland. And 
one of the things people want her to be is poor, lower middle class, inner city, those words. Mm -hmm. And she grew up pretty much like me, like suburban, I mean, like tree-lined. I mean, we don't. I don't think it happens everywhere, but in Cleveland, because it was supposed to be like called the Garden City, um, every house got a tree. Every suburban house has a tree in front of it. Really? We call it a tree lawn, so every house has a tree. But it's like very green, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, she grew up next to, well, she grew up literally around the corner from East Coast Custard and like a Target. And I, I also live at the Target, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I have a Target, like, and people aren't, don't like that she is just middle class. You yeah. know, she said that sort of in her story is like different because she comes at a, she's just in a different generation than us. Well. You know, like the way she talks about it, but she wanted to show her community which is a community she wasn't seeing, Fair. which isn't, it's not to say that the community of people who are lower middle class and black don't have a voice. They do, but it's just a different community. Well, that's the perspective that the art world wants all black people to stay in. Yeah. You know, that's right. the message. The message is in a very backhanded way. We're not going to show anything that exists outside of the struggle porn Right. Because we don't want you to exist outside of the space right. of struggle porn. Like, unless we lift you out of it. Yeah, unless we select you as right. a special one. Yeah. So, so Jean, are you a full-time artist? This is like your second career, or do you, do you teach? Like, what's the story? Most of my maybe third career. I uh -huh. love business because uh -huh. uh, I had a, a business mentor who was honest. He said you did your undergrad as a liberal arts. So he said you were taught foundationally that human beings exist. Had you done a Bachelor of Science, you wouldn't have been interwoven into the humanities oh. so much because you would have been routed straight towards business. So by the time I did my MBA and start working in business, yeah. I value I valued bodies. They weren't yeah. ones and zeros, and that's a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you got to yeah. make decisions that just aren't yes. human being like, but yeah. serve the corporation. Yeah. So I did that for a few years, and then I owed a, a favor from a college president because I was his admissions recruiter. I mean, uh -huh. I was I was his SGA president, and he asked me to come back and take over admissions. Oh, wow. So I went back and did admissions and found, oh, I can actually help people. Like, and you fixed that whole system. system, right? So I'd set the system up. Yeah. Wow. And then yeah. some frat brothers was like, it's time to get you out of Alabama. We're going to get you into grad school here in New York. <laughs> and the school was like, if you graduate from grad school, you can come back and you can become director of admissions. Got it. The more and more I was in New York and having to go back to Alabama for meetings, I was just like, oh, I can't come back here. I graduated <laughs> and stayed in New York. You blossomed. Yeah. And I stayed, I helped build out the academic advising department for the Art Institute in New York City. And wow, you've done a whole lot. Yeah, Jane's done heaps. What am and, I doing? And so I just became an artist because all my young students were artists and they were like, we think there's an artist in there. That's awesome. And so I decided after the Art Institute closed to go back go to grad school and go into art. And so now I'm a landlord quasi because business schools made me make good decisions. 
effect, I can now restart this other line. I love that. Photographing. Yeah. I love that. You're also an you're also a teacher. So I you... teach. Teach. Yep. I taught first kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, yeah. I did um high school. Oh, that's how is high school? People keep telling me I should go do you know, high school. I I was talking to someone the other day. I loved it. Um, I definitely couldn't do elementary, but I think it's like my sister-in-law is a preschool teacher. Actually, I think people like become like they're they like move into the thing they're good at. They will. I really loved high school, um, but I think I also started right out of college working okay. with high school students. So like I was almost their age. I was in grad school when I was teaching there. We had a program that paid. It was like the Cleveland Metropolitan School District had a position at the museum. So I was like full-time at the museum and I taught high school. And I just love it because they're so thoughtful and they question you in such powerful ways, but you don't have to like cut their paper for them. <laughs> like that's, I, you know, I like that. I like like there's like they have to do stuff. But then I also think like, when I even, I haven't oh, really? taught high school in years, it must be about 10 years, but when I was still teaching, you could, there's so many more things, like you could, like every kid could use an exacto knife, right? Like we could teach them to use an exacto, I don't even know if you could do that anymore. No, no. They are highly into equal justice or social justice, as my fifth graders would tell me, but... Um, I was in a charter school where you're not allowed to say you have favorites. Uh -huh. But of course, uh -huh. I would pick a favorite <laughs> and say it out loud, and the kids would go wild. You can't pick a favorite. Then go tell the dean. It's fucking funny. Oh, my God. And then the dean would say, Mr. Tola, I was like, trust me. I need you to just trust me. Trust me. And she was like, but we don't do favorites. I said, but the real world does favorites, and they're all black and brown, well, so you're lying to them. <laughs> That's the problem about all of the things about education. Yeah. They're trying to make a separate world that isn't the doesn't real exist. World. Yeah. It doesn't exist. And I gotta say, Seema, Gene will never say it to your face, but he said it to me because because we know each other. But like every school he gets put in, he's kind of seen as a bit of a problem. And yeah. then by the end of it, he's like they're like, Please don't leave. Yeah. Please we need you, please don't leave. <laughs> like all the all the quote unquote problem children listen to you. It's like because right. I break whatever you make space for them. Whatever this protective glove they're trying to handle them with. Like, and so I picked the favorite this year with my fourth and fifth graders, and they every day as a group would clown on me and go wild. But <laughs> what started to happen, a separation with my favorites who now felt special. Yes. They mm -hmm. wanted yes, to now maintain their specialness. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then now the kids are trying to figure out, well, why did he pick that person? And right. how do I replicate what that person's doing? Well, and you, then you they gave also them something to aspire to yes. rather than feeling shitty about. Yes. Like it's just, it's really not that hard. They all started doing what Ricky mm -hmm. and I think kind of Melissa was doing. Mm -hmm. And then I would come start coming to class like, how was I today? Was I good today after class? Did I did I improve? And I'd be like, only slightly, but let's do better next time. <laughs> so I would never fully validate them. And as we moved through the semester, I would incrementally. And then by the end of the year, they were trying to figure out what you do with this class. And I said, I gave them a target. You guys, mm, you guys yeah. keep giving them this abstractness, but they're yep. black and brown and they're going to be crushed by the competition. 
Yeah, they're going to be unable to handle the disappointment. Yeah, someone shows they aren't a favorite. Yeah, (laughs) but that's—I mean—that's great advice. Yeah, I pick a favorite every year. Every school I've been to, you can't do that, Mr. Toler. We're about equal justice. No such thing exists. Like no such thing. Like what you said about um, capitalism. You know, we can pretend it existed. Yeah. 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 Well, Gene, this is awesome. We love you, Gene. That's great. I love Who you. Are you on Instagram? I think I need to follow. I'm mm-hmm. not Instagram on TikTok. I I poorly participated. Seems lust, just lust. lust. She's pretty popular. I Making, follow people. What? How many followers are you up to now? You're nearly at 200k. You gonna take a break? Uh, uh maybe I will. That means uh, they love you. They love you in TikTok land. TikTok land. I don't know. So Seema's amazing. She can take any viral video and extract something from it. Like, doesn't matter what, and then apply it to art theory and criticism. And it fucking makes sense. Like, abstract art makes more sense to me because of her content. No, that's so nice. I'm Seema. serious. Seema, I've got to go on and say I love the beautiful uh, headshot. <laughs> I love your, eye, your, your, your icon, your photo. Um, thank you. A... My, uh, that was because we were going to something and... I my kids were like, you cannot wear that eye makeup. I was like, you want to see me? It was at their my husband's cousin's party, so I usually don't wear that much eye makeup. But I was like, you want to see? Don't test me, friend. I like it. It gives. I do too. It's gold. It gives my favorite glamour. I know it's gold. It's pretty. Oh, that's me. Oh yeah, these are the Barbie things I was talking about. I thought that I got some uh, barbershop washing to do when I'm waiting in the barbershop. That's right, the Barbie um, AI. Friggin' Barbie! Look, I was a Barbie head. I remember when they made the Ken with the real hair. My dad cried because I didn't want the GI Joe doll. No. And he finally got me the Ken with the hair. (laughs) But who wanted GI Joe? This is what I want to know. Who wanted GI Joe? I did. I traded my G.I. Joe. They were so ugly. With my yeah. sister, Jamie Summers doll, because she had the Bionic Woman. Oh. And I had the $6 million man. And she was like, I want the G.I. Joe. I'm like, give me what? Jamie Summers. You can have him. <laughs> <laughs> they were so <laughs> ugly, the G.I. Joe. Yeah. It was my I dad. I just never know who one. bought them. Maybe my dads dad, bought them. Dads bought them for their boys. Yeah. Crisis of masculinity. I love I'm going to have to go through this TikTok. Sophie has told me about you quite a bit. Same, same. same. Likewise. Likewise. I bring, you up, I bring you both up a lot. It was a pleasure to come out on it a Saturday. It was nice talking to you. If you want to come back and do a semi-regular segment, I don't think anyone would be mad. No, we'd love to have you. That's great. You've got, you've also just got like such a, you both makes- have such an incredible clarity of vision when it comes to how these things operate. And like... Essentially, move over to just sure. both you two talking, and I'll just be a producer. No, I'll just stop. no but I, I was just like happy to no. listen the whole time. I was like, yeah, I like this. No, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm looking at it now, going, oh, how can we help them with their marketing? Like that's in my head. Yeah, How do you help them with their marketing? Well, I know what we need to be doing with our videos. I'm going to switch we our do. video stuff over to being the both of us full screen when we're talking, like every other fucking podcast does. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, I think, I think we we could do better. I think there's something to be said for it in this in this very early stage of how you do it. 
Mm. Because yeah, the, it's real. the rawness of it operates counter to all the people who are highly producing their shows now. Mm-hmm. Which gives you guys real authenticity, which is mm. what the market is craving and looking to develop. It's true. Yeah, we are shifting really to like real content. Yeah. Um, because everything is overproduced now, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to be a podcast, but you guys are having a conversation that, yeah. ha- that happens in a podcast. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What a nice thing to say to us. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just, I obsess over right now any and everything about visuality. How do you structure the frame for uh, emotional impact? Yeah. Uh, God, you're so good at it too. And so, I do that unconsciously in my in my portrait work, but I can't I can't harness it anywhere else. Yeah. I at think least you can did. harness it there. That's where you need <laughs> yeah, yeah. it. Comes through the chemistry. I, you guys have hit it here. Well, we definitely have like a little cult following. And like we have more people coming on Patreon than I thought we would, considering we've been a bit shit with content out there. Um, but I do think, and especially because like the dynamic between a museum pro and and like emerging artist is not common, mm-hmm. like at all. Because mm-hmm. the distance you don't between see the that. two. Exactly, you yeah. never see that kind of structure in any anywhere. It's always people who have like a PhD who are do, starting their own thing in terms of like how to be an artist out in the world, or it's someone who's like running a gallery who's like here are my curator tips. And I'm like I don't care. <laughs> I would like, I want to know someone who's like working as an artist or who understands artists or who gen like actually cares about them. Yeah, well, that's uh, the part, right? Yeah. That's well, exactly. Same. I'm going to tell you what you guys need now. Sadly, Liar. you don't Uh-oh. really, you don't need anything, Ashley. But if you Better want a video quality? No, but if you want to turbo boost yourself, yeah. You need a, you need to get Joe on, Sophie. I knew it. You need a white Joe. man. You need a I white knew it. man. Hi, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> Or Joe, the other guy. My Joe's on sometimes, but he hates being on here. Yeah, yeah. but he actually loves it. Because he's always he like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to yeah, talk to your little friends. And then he's like, here's all my he's opinion. Like in there talking. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then as soon as you get him going, he's like, nah, but this is how I feel. I'm like, see, Joe's Corner is a segment that should exist. You I motherfucker. Right? He loves being here. He's always right. like, I just feel stupid. And I was like, I don't know. So do, so do we. That's We still do it. Oh, my God. Can you look? Bring on you, Joe. The neck controls the head, right? You can you can bring him in. I'm gonna get Joe for you. Let me I'm gonna bring Joe for you. Like Joe, you need to do this podcast. Wait, yeah. yeah. Let's just call this Joe. 